Hey everybody, it's Sam from West Virginia Overtime, back with another episode of Paranormal Review. Uh, This is episode 5. If you haven't listened to Paranormal Review episode 1, you may want to go back and do that. It contains the history of taps, ghost hunters, and ghost nation, and it's going to kind of fill you in on how TAPS was created with Grant Wilson and Jason Halls. And if any of you are new to this, like I am, then you may want to go back and kind of review that to kind of find out what Grant has done, you know, and completed before this um, series, the new series, started. We're going to start with episode one of the new Ghost Hunters. Uh, It's going to be called School Spirit. It was shown on September 18th of 2019, and it deals with Pocatelico, Idaho, and Pocatelico High School. That's called Pokey. Um, And it kind of starts off with uh, the Ghost Hunters coming back, and this being the first episode back. Um... I think that Grant really wanted to do a little explanation about how he is getting together with a brand new team because he left in 2012 because his kids were young and that he wanted to spend some time with them. And now that they've kind of grow up, um, he's picking a new team to help him go out and help people that believe that there may be something paranormal going on in their home or their location. He says that a lot of his past team is off doing their own thing, so he had to create a new team. So the only kind of old member, she was a member of Ghost Hunters International, is Kristen Lumen. And I'll introduce you to the um, players here in a minute. But as I did with the Ghost Adventures um, episode that we did, their Halloween special, I want to kind of talk a little bit about Pocatalico, uh, Idaho uh, and Pocatelico um, High School. I looked it up, did a did a web search. There are numerous sites uh, talking about the high school being haunted and several different stories. Um, I listened to a podcast. It's called History Goes Bump podcast. Uh, if you go back to episode number 49, they have an episode on uh, Pocatelico High School, the Pokey, and I also kind of, like I said, researched it. It has been named one of the top 10 scariest high schools in America, and it's also been named top 10 most haunted high schools in America. Um, It ranges everywhere from four to about seven on there. And there are some stories that are covered in these websites that weren't covered in the episode. And so that's one of the things that we did in the Ghost Ventures um, episode, their Halloween special. We kind of broke down uh, the views 
about the place and what has been reported and then kind of what we see in the episode and then kind of what we see after the fact. So one of the stories that I found was that they were using a real skeleton to teach anatomy and to teach health. And it was decided, um, they don't have a date on any of these websites that reported this this phenomenon, but stated that they wanted it changed to plastic, that they did not think that it was appropriate to actually have a real person's skeleton in there. And they had the ability then to make a plastic skeleton. So what they did was they made the switch and they buried the skeleton. Then the websites state that the science teachers and health teachers and anatomy teachers started finding bones that they believe were from the real skeleton in cabinets, in their drawers, and they couldn't figure out how it was happening. Um, And this must have been a while ago because it doesn't mention anything about cameras in the school or anything and there in these articles there's no way to debunk it um, one article stated that one science teacher believed that the students had found out where they had buried the skeleton and were playing practical jokes um, I could not find anywhere recent where it has been happening, but that is one of the legends of the school. Another legend in the school said that it happened in the 40s and 50s. This was reported by four or five different websites that there were two girls that were very unhappy and I guess appeared to be depressed that they made a suicide pack where they were both going to commit suicide in the school. Uh, One girl backed out, did not show up. Um, The other girl went uh, through with it. She hung herself from her locker. And it was stated that after this, uh, the perfume that she used to wear was a distinctive scent and that they smelled perfume around that locker and in the hallway. Um, Supposedly, the perfume got so bad that they had to remove the original locker. Now, I could not find anywhere that stated that they actually did that or anything like that. There were some other reports that um, the custodians see a young girl's apparition in the hallway, but it's unknown if that's the hallway where the original locker was. Um, And then, like most urban legends or or things that go bump in the night, um, there's no exact year or time period really that this it's just known that it's in the 40s and 50s there there's no really time so not sure that this quite happened either and then there's some um things where they say that the toilets in the bathroom all of a sudden just start flushing um 
and that the students have witnessed this, uh, that the cameras are continuing to go on and off, um, and that the piano is playing, uh, piano keys are being pushed, and songs are being played in the music room. So, um, like I said, uh, Ghost Adventure, or excuse me, Ghost Hunters did not investigate any of these kind of uh, phenomenon. And one reason, and, and I want to kind of take up for them, is the fact that they only go on what is reported to them. They don't, um, you know, do a wide research and find out every single story known to man and decide to debunk everything. So, um, let's kind of get into the episode. I was a little bit fascinated with this episode. As I've said in um, episodes before, I did not watch Ghost Hunters. Um, I don't know why. I, I guess I was too busy working, didn't watch a lot of TV at that time. And so, I wasn't familiar with their methods or anything. I saw a commercial saying that they were coming back. Um, I had watched Ghost Adventures and am familiar with what they've tried to do. I followed Nick Groff um, in his career after Ghost Adventures and watched some of his stuff and read a lot of his articles and, and everything and have watched some of the others. It was for pure entertainment. I am a, a pretty skeptical person about a lot of this stuff really wish that I would have watched the old ghost adventures the ones that uh, were on previously because I have found I've, I've only watched the first season so far but I've found that I kind of enjoy their methods a little bit better they do really try to debunk what the homeowner or the property owner or whoever's having problems um, actually says. So I, I was pretty interested in this coming back. Like I said, I watched the first season of it and kind of got to know a little bit about what was going on and then sit down and, and watch this episode. After I watched this episode is when I did the history of Taps and Ghost Adventures and Ghost Nation. I felt that that was a good way to start out this Paranormal Review series. So, like I said, if you haven't listened to episode one, you may want to go back in and just kind of find out, you know, when they started and why they started and what their protocols and everything are. So, this episode introduces his crew. Now, there is an episode before this, and it's nothing but introducing the crew. But, um, I'm not reviewing that one at this time. I, I, I just wanted to kind of get into the different places. I really enjoy the history part of it. I really enjoy the debunking part and how they go about doing you know what they do so it starts off like I said kind of talking about Grant and really um, telling you what he's been up to now I wish they would have went into a little bit of his background for people who haven't seen the old um, 
Ghost Hunters, I think part of the reason for that is because they assume, if you're watching it, that you did watch the old Ghost Hunters. So, they go into a little bit. They introduce you to Kristen Lumen and Daryl Marston. And they are going to be the team leaders and the co-lead investigators in this group. Um, I really get a good feeling from Kristen. Kristen's a hypotherapist, and she enjoys getting into the subconscious mind. And with her being a therapist and having a therapeutic background, I think that's the reason why I'm interested going forward into seeing what she thinks and what kind of role she actually plays in this team. Uh, Daryl, like I said, he's a team leader. He has ran numerous groups. He's from Delaware. Um, he is pretty active on Facebook, if any of you want to follow him on Facebook. And then they kind of jump to Mustafa, who is a... Um, viral uh, media journalist. I'm not exactly sure what that is, but um, I do look forward to him. He's a researcher and a historian, so I'm going to make an assumption that he is a little more grounded and not, um, not sure of things and really maybe a little bit of the skeptic of the group is what I'm thinking, but I may be wrong. In this episode, we do see that he gets affected, has a personal experience, and I was a little shocked with that. But on, like I said, you know, first seeing him, I thought he was going to be, you know, pretty grounded in the facts and, and in the research and really calling it out. And then you meet um, Brian Murray um, and Rochelle Stratton and you kind of meet them together because they're from the same area they're part of the same paranormal group they've known each other for about three years um, I really enjoy them and their personalities they seem to get along really well together um, they seem to almost feed off of each other and I like that Brian's background is in construction and that he knows structures, plumbing, um, you know, electrical work and things like that so that he can kind of give a also a grounding and a background in what noises may come from foundation moving or from seat squeaking or plumbing or, or anything like that. And then we kind of meet Brandon Alvis, who's the tech manager. And I really liked his view that he expressed pretty much right off as far as, you know, a lot of people have personal experiences, but the clients that want ghost hunters to come in or ghost adventures or ghost brothers or, you know, paranormal lockdown or, or the Tennessee race chasers or anything, what they're wanting is to know, is this truly happening or is this in my head or is there something behind it? So I really enjoyed when he said hard, hard evidence, us getting film, getting some kind of evidence, getting um, recorders through the speakers, uh, doing some kind of experiment or s doing 
something like that, setting up RAM pods, setting up uh, EMF detectors, using trifields, anything like that, and getting it on camera is more hard evidence to prove uh, personal experiences and that someone is not trying to act or kind of make a name for themselves. I know there are a lot of people out there that really credit personal experiences and I take them I think into it but I want some hard evidence to go along with it also I know that there's a lot of people out there that want personal experiences only to hold up I just don't think in this day and age that we can do that because there are so many people out there looking to make a name for themselves or looking to make money off things. Um, there's a lot of people that are wanting to turn their house, their property, or they buy, you know, a a nursing home or something like that and they want to turn it into an attraction because the paranormal industry is booming right now due to television shows and so many people you know getting into the paranormal and coming up with so many different theories um, I've seen places they're $500 a night for you know a team of, of 10 or 20 people to go in and investigate and while I think that is absolutely totally ridiculous, a lot of people are very willing to pay it and very willing to, to go and try to figure out what they truly believe. So I, I just kind of worry about that. But that's a sidetrack. Let's go back on the episode. So the principal, you know, contacts them and says that the school's about 125 years old. And the, the reason that she really wanted to contact them is that she received a call late one night and when her and the police and the fire department got there, the security cameras were showing that the lights were flickering on and off and she noticed in the bottom corner of the camera that there appeared to be what was a shadow figure moving in and out and she showed it to her secretary who um, wanted some other teachers to see people got a copy of the video and the video ended up going to the news um, I do remember this being reported I was looking it up um, it appears that this video um, I the, the earliest that I can find it on Google is like 2014 2013 somewhere around there that people uh, this video got on the web so I think it's really unusual that no one debunked this before um, I think also that it's really unusual that this video has been out that lot long of a time and that ghost hunters when they went there actually found a cobweb which I'm getting ahead of myself but um, just kind of pointing that out that that there there was a video out there you know in 2015 2014 about this particular shadow figure and the lights flickering on and off and it's still 
kind of around. Then the principal goes into um, how in the auditorium they see a female in a dress. Um, she is up in the balcony and that when people, you know, notice her or talk to her or whatever, that she disappears. And that in the gym, a teacher dropped two of her kids off and they were playing basketball and they heard voices telling them to be quiet. Um, and then there were two urban myths and the principals, she admitted that they could be urban myths, urban legends, um, that the kids kind of spread around, that they they think a librarian possibly hung herself from a chandelier that is in the library, and that it was a love story kind of gone wrong, and that people see things while driving by the high school through the window. They see maybe her face or something like that. They also talk about the wet boy, um, which supposedly a boy drowned in the school's swimming pool. And so, you know, Grant and his team leaders kind of really reassure her, you know, they're going to bring electricity and they're going to try to debunk all of all of this stuff as quickly as they can and get back to her and kind of reassure her so I kind of stopped it there and really thought about this and I'm not sure if I'm a student that really any of this is bothering me um I'm not a theater kid, so I'm thinking if I'm in high school, I'm probably not going to be in the auditorium a lot, so I don't know that I would necessarily see the female in the dress. Um, not sure I would believe my eyes if I did. Uh, would have to have a group of, you know, 10 people that maybe saw it at the same time and we could all compare stories. Not sure about the gym. Um... You know, you had two younger kids there. Yes, they were uh, extremely scared because someone told them to be quiet. Um, unless that voice was super loud. If they were playing basketball, not sure that they would have heard that. And on any TV show, I have not heard a voice be that loud captured. Um, so, not real sure about that um as far as driving by the school and paying attention enough to see someone possibly hanging by the chandelier in the window not really sure about that um so a lot of this stuff if i'm in high school not sure that it's really bothering me or that I'm going to pay attention to or any of that. Some of the ones that I discussed before as far as like the skeleton, I guess if I was a teacher, I have an education degree. Yes, it may bother me, but I think I would assume like that one science teacher that the kids were playing a prank on me. Um, as far as the perfume radiating from you know, a locker that can easily, again, 
be a, a school prank as far as them just pouring perfume in there so that it radiates and doing it over and over again. Um, the locker's been removed since then, so they don't have that issue. As far as the custodian seeing something, it may bother them. But again, if I'm a high school student, um, probably not going to bother me. So some of this stuff, I'm I'm really thinking is almost little stuff, but I guess if you see it or you experience it, then maybe it's not little to you. So um, that's kind of what I was thinking about. So I kind of want to take a break here and let you think about it, and I'll be back in just a minute. Hey everybody, I wanted to tell you about Anchor. It's what I'm using to make this podcast. I use it not only because it's free, but because it's easy. I can record and broadcast anything and everything right from my phone, or I can use a computer. It allows me to edit things, and it has everything I need just in one place. And not only that, you can make money from your podcasts. But what you have to do is you've got to go download the free Anchor app. Go to anchor.fm just to get started. And then send me a link. I want to hear your podcast. Hey, it's Sam with West Virginia Overtime, and I'm back with Paranormal Review, and we're reviewing uh, Ghost Hunter's first episode, um, School Spirit, and we're in Pocatelico uh, High School in Idaho. And to start off their investigation, I was really impressed. Um, It is the first time that I've ever really seen a show show the setup. Um, most shows just kind of skip to the investigation, and Ghost Hunters didn't do that. I'm not sure they're going to do it in future episodes, but Ghost Hunters did not do that. They actually showed the maps of the school, them going over the maps, showed um, setups where, you know, Brandon was looking over where are they going to set up cameras, how are they going to set up cameras, actually showed Kristen and Brandon out front of the school where they were going to video the front of the school, especially that one window where the librarian um, supposedly hung herself, and you can see it from the outside, um, set up different types of cameras and to cover different areas that they had heard things about. So I, I was pretty excited about that. I really enjoyed that. I really wish they would have taken a little bit more time and explained the why, explained how they're they're going to do that and, and everything. We went over that a little bit in the Ghost Adventures Halloween special about how um, the owner of the property already had cameras set up and I wondered if they used his cameras or if if they use their own. Well, I kind of wondered that also about this school. This school obviously has video cameras. So I'm wondering if they had them running also so that if their camera picked up something, then they could verify it with the school's camera. So that is one one 
like minor little question I had. I enjoyed uh, that they started right off with the main one, which was the video, the lights flickering on and off, and that shadow figure coming from the women's bathroom, kind of darting down in the hallway and going out. Thought it was extremely kind of funny that um, they go up to the second floor hallway and Grant looks at Brandon who is you know a tech wizard tech uh, he's their tech manager but he's a tech wizard as far as new tech and what's going to happen and he Grant looks at Brandon and immediately says do you know what that was and Brandon kind of tries to get the, keep the smile off his face, but it's almost like he, you know, automatically knew what that was. Uh, and he was started immediately talking about a spider web. Um, in the article, after every uh, Ghost Hunter episode, Mustafa writes an article detailing anything that they may have left out or not shown that happened in the investigation or anything like that. He actually talks about how when he was shown the video that he knew what it was because he had worked in a restaurant before and they had the same problem on their security cameras. So this is obviously um, kind of a well-known fact. Maybe um, not as well known in the paranormal community, but with people who deal with cameras or look at security cameras every now and then, um, this is a kind of well known fact that this darting thing, you obviously want to check the cameras right off. So, of course, Grant gets his ladder, goes up there, and there's a cobweb dust bunny up there, and of course, you know, he's he takes it off and there's there's no flickering or darting or anything like that um again like i said before we took the break little um confused why the dust bunny's still up there if the video was happening you know four or five years ago but I don't know, maybe they, they don't clean their, their cameras very well. But then you see Brandon with Mustafa. And um, you see them going to the gym. And in the gym, like I said, they were hearing voices because uh, two young kids had been dropped off by their mom. She was a teacher. They were playing basketball. And they heard a voice tell them to, you know, be quiet. So they immediately just start off with an EVP session, which we don't see a lot of it, and I'm making the assumption it's because they didn't get anything. But then they're trying to do a ball exercise. So I like how we see them doing different things in a lot of different shows instead of, you know, staying in one area and trying numerous different things and actually showing on camera, hey, I tried this, I tried that, I tried this, I tried that. A lot of times we only see them in one area trying one thing and then they move to another area and we're left wondering well why didn't you try this and that and the other so i like how ghost hunters is is starting out right off the bat hey 
we're going to show that we're trying different things and they are working or they're not working. So they tried the ball exercise, you know, telling if there was anybody in the gymnasium, would they please move the ball? At that time, they hear a noise. They think it's the settling of the wood and the bleachers and everything. And you see Mustafa go to one side. And Brandon is down on the ground. They still are hearing noises. And then they both hear a noise on the other side of the gym on the other bleachers. So Brandon, you know, immediately kind of is drifting and going over there as Mustafa decides, hey, I need to actually go up in the bleachers. And he starts hearing wood creaking around him and he feels cold sensation. And he describes it that it's coming from above and that he feels something touching him, but doesn't feel any, you know, bad feelings or anything like that. He is talking to Brandon and telling him this, and Brandon comes over to his side, climbs up the bleachers. Mustafa is still feeling this feeling, and Brandon can feel the cold air. So we have a personal experience there from Mustafa, but I would have kind of liked for them to either do an interview outside or continued with that just a little bit because I wanted to know a little bit about what happened next. As far as did they try anything else? Um, did Brandon try to sit down in that seat and get that same exact personal experience right then? Or did they come back later that night and see if Brandon could have that personal experience? Because um, I think it would be completely different if, you know, two different people have the same exact personal experience, one kind of right after another. They flip over, and um, Daryl and Kristen are in the auditorium. They're investigating the lady in the dress that's up in the balcony. And as they're trying to decide who's going to go up in the balcony and kind of look around and see, um, they start losing light in the theater very slowly. It starts dimming. Um, they look. There's no sensory lighting or, or anything like that. And Daryl says he believes that the lights have to be turned off in the control room. So he, you know, immediately wants to go to the control room. I kind of wish they would have stayed there or one of them went to the control room and one of them stayed there. Because um, they talk about it being a power drain. They talk about, you know, the entity that may be in the school actually draining power in order to get energy and that's a theory that that you're going to hear throughout uh, a lot of different shows so i i was kind of hoping one of them would stay there and see if an entity the lady in the balcony would appear um if they could do an evp session and like i said have the other go check out the control room try to turn on the lights um maybe if the lights start working working as they slowly come back on or if he dims them again um maybe you know Kristen would have saw something so i i was you know kind of really wanting more in this um just saying that it's a power drain just saying 
um, the the lights did that on themselves. I kind of kind of wanted him to investigate more. We don't see Brian and Rochelle, and that that's going to be my question. You know, at the end of night one, where are Brian and Rochelle? Because I really wanted them to bring Brian in and kind of get him standing as a construction expert. You know, is this something that can happen? Is this something that usually happens? Um, could something be installed wrong? Are they on a timer? You know, what's going on here? And kind of establish that him as their construction expert. Hopefully they'll do that in the future, in some future episodes. Then we kind of go into Mustafa and Kristen in the library. And they're investigating the figure in the window. And the students say if they drive around three times around the school, then they see a figure in the window. And I don't know um, how many kids are going to drive around the school. One, two, three. Oh, there's a figure. Four, five. Oh, I don't see if. I mean, who is testing this? Who is coming up with this? But it was really weird to me that Mustafa is driving. Um, Kristen stays upstairs in the library, but she's away from the window. And Mustafa does drive around three times, and he sees what appears to be a face pressed against the window in the third pane from the left. And, you know, it is shown on camera. I can see where... People may have thought that was a figure. When I saw it, I actually stopped it. Still really didn't see a face, didn't see a figure. Saw uh, what appeared to be a dark spot, but I just, I don't know. I just didn't really put together a figure. Not sure that um, as a high school student, again, like I said, I would drive around three times to see if I could see one. But um, Kristen points out, and and you see her with a flashlight. She comes up, and it's a book. It's a book that's in the window, and they start explaining pareidolia. And they use Kristen to set her up as the therapist expert that she is and talking about how the mind can play tricks on you, how the brain wants to make out objects. And so a lot of times when you show the brain a figure or you show them a window or you show them a doorway, um, the brain wants to create and make something out of the spots that it's seen or the dark spots that that are around so it creates something for you and it and she compares it to the man in the moon myth where a lot of people look up at the moon and stare at it and the spots that are, the darker spots on the moon that are the mountains and stuff they in their head, their brain configures a man's face, and that's where the man in the moon comes from. So I was pretty excited that 
they broke that down because a lot of people don't break that down you hear it at at conferences and lectures and in articles and videos and stuff like that but you don't see a lot of tv shows that really kind of break that down so what they do is they end night one and then you see them come back to night two or excuse me, day two, and you see Brandon meeting with the electrician. The electrician says that the lights flickering on and off is it trying to get an electrical connection and that the ballast needs to correct its voltage. And then Brandon says, could a power draw do this? And he says, yes, it's possible. Well, I agree that yes, that's possible. But what I wanted him to do is to ask a follow-up question if the ballast is corrected and the correct voltage is consistent and the electrical connection is made, will the lights quit flickering? And if his answer is yes, then I want him to do that. And I want to see if this goes away. Because Ghost Hunters now is starting down the path of this power draw. You can see it from them saying that in the auditorium. And now they're saying it about this. So they're kind of, it's almost like they're leading the viewer. So then we see Mustafa going to the historical museum. He talks to Arden Walker, who he just happens to run into. He is the historian of the museum, but he also was a, once a teacher at the high school. And he, you know, has all kinds of facts. He tells us that he's heard all of these urban legends before and that the library was redid in 1974, so it didn't have a chandelier before, so no one could have hung themselves before 1974, and that he started to work in the school in 1972, and that no one has hung themselves, and, you know, they can go back through the newspapers or whatever, but no one has ever hung themselves from that chandelier, so that's kind of, you know, proven false. And then he had heard the story of the wet boy coming from the swimming pool area from where they supposedly redid the gym. And he talks about how there's never been a swimming pool in that school, period. Uh, when they redid the gym, he says that that back area has always been a secondary area where they've used for gymnasium activities or stage, and it's never been a pool. And so those are the two big urban myths that, you know, seem to be in all the web articles that I read and seem to be the ones that the principal had in her head. So those were just, boom, blew out of the water. So I'm glad that Ghost Hunters follows up. They send Brian and Rochelle into the gym to see if they can investigate what Brandon and Mustafa did. If they can have the same experience, if they can recreate it, can they get voices, can they get something in the gymnasium? Now, they set a recorder up and a camera up. They play some basketball. Again, I, I still totally agree that if you're dribbling, you're shooting, you're talking, I don't think you're going to hear a voice say, be quiet. 
um, at the level that most TV shows have ever shown that you tr you you get a voice. A lot of times you get an EVP and you can't even understand it. So I find it really hard to believe if you're running around playing, you're playing basketball, you're shooting, you're talking, and all of that, that you're going to pick this up. But, um, you know, they decide then Rochelle's going to sit in the bleachers. Brian is, is down on the court, and she starts feeling um, cold mass, starts getting feelings, and she says that she feels like someone is coming up from behind her and wrapping their arms around her almost like in a hug. Um, she feels very overwhelmed and starts crying. She says that they're happy tears. Um, I was... Um, interested to find out that Brian obviously is a very protective person. I think that that's important to have in these um, television groups or any paranormal team. He immediately is coming up there and making sure she's okay in the bleachers. So she has every reason to kind of feel safe and everything. So we flip over and we see Mustafa, Grant, and Brandon in the auditorium. And I'm glad they're going back to the auditorium. They're sending different people in to see if their expertise can lead them to have a different um, outlook, a different experience, or they can try something different. They can think up something different using their backgrounds. And I think that that just blows me away. I, I enjoy that. I, I think that that seems to me um, a logical thing to do. What I guess I didn't get was that they didn't really go into the auditorium and run any tests based on their background or their experience. Um, they didn't put Mustafa in there. They didn't do anything. It was almost like Grant had it in his head, pyre draw, pyre draw, pyre draw. And so they immediately went into the breaker room, which is up in the balcony, and set up a Tesla speaker, which was used to generate um, energy. It's a small Tesla's ladder, and they use a tri-field to show us that it is generating energy. And they set up EVPs, they set up flashlights, and they hear a noise being made. Uh, sounding like a banging noise, Mustafa goes to go downstairs into the auditorium. And like I said, I wish he would have already been there. And I wish they would have had cameras down there and EVPs and everything set up so that possibly they could have caught it. Um, Mustafa, like I said, leaves. They find out that instead of taking the energy from the Tesla speaker, that it seems or appears to have drained a recorder and the recorder's dead however when brandon turns it off and turns it back on it does have half power so grant comes to the conclusion that it must have been drained so fast that it it died and but it still has some power um then you see the flashlights go off and flicker and then they turn on and I find it a little revealing that Grant says, 
um, that they've done this before in Ghost Hunters, and they use the twist flashlights, and they don't always twist them all the way on, so that it will not be hard to turn them off. However, he wasn't planning on doing this experiment, so he says that he turned them completely all the way on. So I thought that was that was a little interesting that that he explained that, and so he is leaning towards a pyre drain and an entity taking pyre from the flashlights from the recorder, um, from the lights dimming in the auditorium, from flashing the lights on the security cameras and different things like that. So we see them clean up. We see the reveal where. He is talking to the principal with Kristen and Daryl, telling him about the pool, about the pyre drain, um, you know, about the figure being a cobweb, um, and then shows them two EVPs that they found. They can't make them out. I was so excited and jumping up and down that they didn't try to make words out of it. Um, you know, the principal said, I think I hear the word go, but they did not confirm that for her. I mean, they stayed true to themselves and just said, we can't make it out. I was so excited that I couldn't see straight because I'm so sick of TV shows saying, oh, it says it's going to kill you or whatever. Um, because I couldn't make it out either. And yes, I heard a noise, but you know, I couldn't make it out, and I was just so happy that they didn't, you know, make something up. Um, he did reveal that they had personal experiences. He called them personal experiences. He didn't downplay them. He didn't say, you know, these are any less, but he, he also said, you know, it wasn't that it was truly proven by hard evidence. Um, I agree uh, with what he said, that there's no harm being done. Um, like I said before, if I was a high school student, I don't even know if I would have noticed any of this. Um, and if a student told me this or a teacher told me that this school was haunted, I don't know that I even would have cared. Um, because there isn't any harm being done. There, There is no bad things happening or anything like that. And so Grant said, you know, if if this place is haunted, if there is a pyre draw going on, it's because um, this kind of positive thing is going on, that, that you have entities here that may be wanting to draw the pyre just to enjoy the school. And, and I found that in and of itself kind of to be interesting, uh, because you know, Ghost Hunters could have started out with some evil case or some big deal or went to some famous place, found all these new things to get generate ratings and to say how awful and de demonic it was and everything. And they chose not to do that. They chose to do a um, mildly interesting case in a high school that, you know, a lot of people haven't been to to investigate. And he chose to say that it was positive and that there was no harm being done and it was okay. And so I was real impressed with that. 
um, I watched the extra footage that they showed. Um, they're calling it um, all all grant access or all all access granted, I guess. Um, in it, throughout the show, they show little tidbits of what has happened in Grant's life as far as, you know, Grant felt his goals were being met at Ghost Hunters and that he was kind of done. His kids were little. They were one and five years old at the time. He was extremely tired from being on the road and eating the kind of food that he had to eat and everything. So he just decided to come off the road and then later on in the show they show another all access is granted and he talks about how he never really stepped out of the paranormal he stepped out of tv and how he continued to kind of keep his hand in it by doing lectures uh speaking at conferences going to uh conventions and signing autographs and talking to people and how he continued to want to educate people he created a lecture series. Um, it's on YouTube. It's called What the Fetch. F-E-T-C-H. Um, and he created it created kind of with his family. And he wanted his family involved. He did, you know, educational videos that people can look up. They're still on YouTube. I haven't watched any of them, so I don't know. But... Um, they're supposed to be educational videos that, that he created to kind of generate um, some people wanting to actually do things correctly. They also show an interview with him where he said that he felt like he needed to get back in it because there were so many paranormal shows that he felt were doing it wrong, um, that weren't debunking, that weren't uh, trying to get to the bottom of things that were going based on legends and not doing true history searches. Um, he felt like there were was a lot of exploitation going on in the field and that he wanted to come back in order to kind of set things straight and give a show where people could learn good techniques, good protocol, and see some interesting things. So, after this first show, I feel kind of good. Um, it's entertaining. Um, I thought it was logical, uh, other than the ones that I pointed out, what I wanted to, done a little differently. Um, you ought to go read the article by Mustafa. There are some things he says they, they catch. Um, I believe there was a locker slam that they didn't get good on camera and they felt like they could not use it because they felt that people would point out that, you know, it's not very clear. And so they had some other things happen. But again, either it wasn't clear on the camera or on a speaker or someone else was talking and they just felt like it wasn't good, clear evidence in order to, you know, for it to be used. So I kind of felt even more reassured that they were trying uh, by that article. So I'm kind of looking forward to the next episode, but um, I'm I'm kind of going to end it here. I think we're going to either do an episode of the Holter Files. Uh, people have been writing in. They want me to either do the the history 
of Hans Holzer, or they want me to do an episode of the Holzer Files. And if I do, obviously, I will start with episode one, since it's a, a, a new show, and it's pretty interesting. So, I'm going to kind of leave it there. If you've got any questions, comments, problems, protests, feel free to write us at wvovertimegmail.com hit us up on our um, Twitter at Overtime West Virginia. We are on Instagram and Facebook at WV Overtime. Um, Feel free to go to the Anchor Podcast app and click on WV Overtime. You can leave us a voicemail message so that, you know, we can play it and talk. Um, I can set up a time where I can bring you on the show. I also can talk to you. We have a group on Facebook. It is called Nick Groff, Viddy, Ghost Adventures, and Portals to Hell. And feel free to come and join us there. We we um, talk and put up articles and kind of break down some stuff. We've got a lot of different skeptics in there. But we also have a lot of true blue paranormal believers in there. So feel free to come in and, and um, talk in there. But I look forward to hearing from you one way or another. Or listening... Um, to the next podcast. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.